Hello and welcome to another Bond Marathon episode on the Auto Archives podcast. This time round, we talk about the first 15 certificate Bond film, as well as the last outing with Timothy Dalton as 007 in Licence to Kill. Listen now to hear us talk about the grittiest film in the franchise so far, Q taking a break from Q Branch and joining Bond out in the field, a stunt-filled chase through the desert involving tankers full of gasoline, and much more. As always, we each rate the film out of 10 and discuss where they rank among the others. If you haven't already, make sure to listen to the previous Bond episodes to get up to speed. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Tom, welcome back for another Bond episode. How are we doing, mate? Yeah, hello, mate. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. So today we're going to talk about the next uh, Timothy Dalton film, which is Licence to Kill. Um, if I'm really honest, this is one I've been looking forward to talk about for a while, uh, or certainly been anticipating more so than certainly some of the Roger Moore films we've plodded through. So I'm glad we kind of moved out of the way from Roger Moore and getting onto these ones now. So um before we really get uh, into the nitty gritty and the detail of this particular film, I uh, just want to get your initial impressions of, of Licence to Kill. I, I'm disappointed off the back of Living Daylights. I, I was so, yeah, disappointed. I don't know, I don't know what, what else I can say. Just, it's not even underwhelmed. It's just... So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of explain why, just very briefly. I think this is a good film, but I don't think it's a good Bond film. And actually, I think the fact it's a Bond film makes the film worse. Um, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that later on in my, in my summary, maybe. Okay, <laughs> yeah. fine. What, what, what did you think? I fucking love this film. Did you? Absolutely love it. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I think it gets everything that it does from Living Daylights and then ramps it up into like, what is this, the late 80s? And uh, I don't know about you, but I was watching it and it's, it feels like there's got a lot of inspiration from Die Hard, which would have come out the year before this, or yeah. action films around that time. The pace is so much faster and it's obviously much grittier because this is like we said on the end of the last one, this is the first 15 rating Bond film. And you can definitely tell the difference, I think. Um, okay, so this is going to be intriguing then, because we're kind of completely different ends of the uh, yeah. spectrum on this. So, okay, so let's let's go through. I'll quickly do um, the uh, synopsis of the film quickly, just for anyone listening. So, Licence to Kill. Uh, after capturing a drug lord, After capturing a drug lord, Felix Leiter is left for dead and his wife is murdered. James Bond goes rogue and seeks vengeance on those responsible as he infiltrates an organisation posing as a hitman. So, firstly, I think I kind of sums it up. There's obviously more to that as well. It's massively a revenge story. Um, 
compared to some of the other Bond films that how I guess it's set up is that usually, you know, there's a there's a uh, world domination threat and then Bond is involved in that sense. But this is a much more personal film. Um, so we'll go on to the plot quickly now and then we'll see we jump around like we always do as to the various things throughout it. So as a plot, what are your thoughts on this film? It's the main, it's, it's probably the main thing that lets it down for me because um, it's it's so similar to Live and Let Die, the plot. But, and and for me, that was the letdown of that film. It's kind of this this drug lord idea and it's set in is set in the US and it's one of those ones where it's just, it's far too American. I don't know why, I, I know it's, I know it's a revenge plot, but why is it set in America? Why is it American drug dealers? Why is it that plot? I don't, I just don't like it. I don't like that in a Bond film. <laughs> I, I see where you come from, but then it's mostly set around America because of he's there at the start, right, for Felix's wedding, and he's American, he's CIA, so he's going to be over there for that reason that kind of gets caught up in this uh, yeah. drug bust, which is around the same time, and that's, I think that's that's the difference for me, is that he's never sent on an assignment here. He's sent, he's kind of gone off his own back, and he's, because originally the film was going to be called License Revoked, which is, again, another thing that happens in this film, his license to kill is revoked, because he basically goes rogue and goes on a personal vendetta, which is unlike any Bond film we've had so far, where it's just like, okay, here's your, you know, intro is supervillain does X, Y, Z thing across, you know, somewhere in the world. Bond is like, right, okay, what's my mission? Here's your mission from M, Alfie goes. This is very much like, we'll come into the intro in a minute, but you've got the wedding at the intro at the start, it's kind of an upbeat start and then it just all kind of goes down from here and it's all it's all about a personal revenge and vendetta rather than yeah. here's your assignment. I do, I do like the it, it kind of addresses the the loss of his wife it's so mm. it just you know it is it's a very similar story they just got married and she died on the wedding day and obviously apparently Felix and him are much closer than we thought um He's best man at the wedding, so obviously knows them very well. Yeah. So I think it's it's more than just personal because they're friends of his. I think it's definitely, you know, he, he takes it so close to heart because he just remembers his wife so much and how she died in, in the same way. And it's kind of that boosts his desire to get revenge and and do whatever it takes, um, which which I do, I do like, I, I do think that's good. I like, I like the nod to that. Yeah. Um, yeah I just, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe talking this through, cause I don't actually have a, have a rating okay. for this yet. So maybe talking this through might, might change my ideas, but. I hope so. Cause you're going <laughs> in quite low already. So I'm hoping to raise yeah. the, raise the points up. But I think, yeah, that's another thing I really liked the way the reason I one of the reasons I like this is this feels like the movie we should have got after Her Majesty's Secret Service. We yeah. should have got this big revenge story that Bond is on an absolute rampage, you know, fuck MI6. Like, I just want to go out and find Blofeld and, and kill him for what he's done. But we never got that. We got a uh, campy diamonds are forever. Connery comes back and it 
kind of doesn't even well it doesn't get referenced at no. all and i like that it is nodded and it is when it's raised as well bond is very you know, like sheepish doesn't want to talk about it. he's very kind of it's obviously hit a nerve that she, i think it's lighter's wife says something like that and yeah. he's like kind of shrugs it off and doesn't want and then as bond goes off lighter said you know he used to have a wife and stuff so that was a really nice touch i think this is why i appreciate it more because this is what we should have got instead of diamonds off or in diamonds off river this massive revenge plot which is the whole of this film that we just didn't get so yeah i thought that was a good nod to those pre to that previous film yeah i did I, I think it would have worked directly after that film yeah i just i don't know i don't, I don't really like that i know he's unprofessional when he and he he does things that he shouldn't and he he takes the piss and you know he riles them up and stuff but but it just i don't know he kicks m and he just legs it away and i i, I just don't think bond would do that is this when it, he gets it, his it, he gets his license revoked is this what you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah so he gets his license revoked doesn't he and he you know they kind of hand over your gun stuff and instead of handing over his gun he just kicks M in the stomach jumps over a fence and runs yeah. off and I just like no I don't think he would have done that but it, interestingly this is the first film that's not based on a Fleming book or name of a name yeah. of a book either. yeah um so yeah that is that is interesting so I guess it may be a reason for the departure of the of the way he is because it's someone else's take on that character it's not it's not yeah. Fleming's Fleming's ideas and work. I almost wonder if Dalton maybe had a say in some of the direction it went to. But you're right; it's the first one where they've. It's kind of like the Game of Thrones books, right? Where they got to a point where it's like they've they've run out of the books, so we kind of start taking, you know, taking our own stance on Bond as a character and the franchise. So, yeah, maybe that's another reason why it, the rating goes up here is that they needed something else to because uh, you're obviously narrowing down your audience because there is that Roger Moore's Bond is very much although there's elements of a bit dodgy being a PG but it's very much a PG tongue-in-cheek comedic version of Bond and this is kind of going the other way um, which I prefer to be honest and I think Daniel Craig as Bond now has if from any inspiration from any Bond is probably from Dalton's films and mainly this one as I was watching it I was like this feels that it has the grit or um from some of the the, la the latter Craig films that he's certainly got from from here I feel anyway maybe more so than any other Bond that's gone before um so I enjoyed it for that reason um let's kind of go through the intro then so um the intro is kind of the wedding and is it, I, I don't know about you, but I just, it's such a fast paced, but kind of a good feel intro. And I know there's like, you know, they're chasing down a drug dealer and all this stuff, but how it kind of ends into the theme tune is, I thought it was great. I don't know what you thought of the, the intro. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah, I, I thought it was quite good. Felix, the actor who plays Felix is appalling. And it <laughs> just annoyed me, really annoyed me. Just, oh, just it's just crap and maybe that just set the whole thing off to annoy me i was like but he's felix is irritating why do you care <laughs> maybe but i think it 
it starts off you kind of think hang on this is a different this is a different type of bond film yeah. when it when it introduces the um one of the bond girls and the kind of main main villain franz and he's she's with another bloke and he comes in and he's got this kind of it's not a whip but it's like a like a stick that wobbles i don't don't know how to explain it but <laughs> yeah no, i know what you mean but that's just, yeah, yeah it's pretty good i don't i don't want to call it a massive dildo but it's let's, it's, let's call it let's call it that yeah <laughs> but he um he just starts beating her with it and you're like wow this is this is violence of a different type and it's against a woman and this is a very different film um and then yeah then it it cuts to this pretty cool scene actually that I googled whether a helicopter would ever be faster than a plane because <laughs> they <laughs> and apparently they can so it's fine but yeah they catch up with um with the baddies plane in a helicopter and then like they go fishing don't they and they yeah they catch his plane with the with the hook of a helicopter and then they just sort of lift him up and they're dangling him around <laughs> I, I always wanted to look into that to see if like does this could this happen? <laughs> like, because one bit that cracks me up is when Bond is kind of, he's sent down on the chain or the wire or whatever to go like wrap it around the plane, right? But he's like, he puts his arms either side as if like, I need to go lower and lower, but he just looks like he's flapping his wings. <laughs> like, he just looks like he's pretending to be a bird and it just took me out of that moment completely. <laughs> but yeah, I... I um. I like the intro because it just sets the scene for the rest of the film to say, right, this is going to be pretty much what you said there about it's going to be much grittier, much more um, brutal. Like that intro of Fran Sanchez, where it's just like he turns up, his missus is with someone else. I think he even says something like, um, do you have his heart or does he have your heart? And he's like, I'll give you his heart. As if, you know, and whips a knife out as if to imply... I'm literally going to cut his heart out and give it to you. <laughs> like yeah. there's that threat that he instantly got from the the main villain that you don't necessarily know to this point. I know we know because we've seen it before. Um, but straight away, you're like, who the fuck is this guy? Like he, he has such a stage presence as well. Robert Davi that, that plays him. Um, and also he's in Die Hard, I think as well. I kept watching this guy and there's a lot of Die Hard here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just felt similar vibes, I think. Um but yeah, then they kind of, they capture the, the villain at this point and then they go, well, okay, best carry on with the wedding then and parachute out of the helicopter and land just in time for the wedding and then intro uh, intro theme kicks in. I thought, it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was good lighthearted and that's probably the only lighthearted moment of the whole film. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I like, um, I actually like the theme. I think it's, I think it works as a Bond theme. It's not. It's not memorable though. Um, but I remember. Do you think it is? Do you think it is? I think it, this is my second favorite Bond theme. I wow, think it's fucking brilliant. Talk it about is. a powerful female voice to sing a song. It's one of those titles as well that you you beforehand. I was like, how are you? How would you fit "License to Kill" in a theme tune? But it, I yeah. think it works. Yeah. No, I do. Yeah, I do. I do like it. So. Um, I, I've kind of put those underrated. It's not. It's not one that I that I think of. But I remember listening to it and going, actually, yeah, this has got a, this has got a really good theme. Yeah, yeah. The only thing is, I think in the intro they've cut a lot of the theme out, so it doesn't start from the actual start of the song. They cut 
sort of after the first chorus. So there's is quite a condensed version of it. Um, but yeah, I still think it's the only thing weird for me is there's a lot of emphasis on cameras in the actual title sequence. Like normally there's like loads yeah. of, you know, silhouetted girls and guns and stuff like that, but guns are replaced with cameras. And like, I was, so I was thinking, okay, there must be a lot of use of camera in this film, but there isn't other than the sniper, which we'll come on to. There's barely any cameras in this. So it's just a very strange uh, title sequence idea, but fine. Okay. Um, okay. Let's go on to uh, the villain then, Franz Sanchez. So we've mentioned him already in the kind of the intro. Um, and you've also mentioned that it's slightly similar to the thread of live and let die in that he's a drug lord. He's basically Scarface, right? Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on him as a villain in this and then kind of him in the franchise as, as well? I think he plays that character really well. I just don't particularly like that that character as a villain in a Bond film. I think, yeah, as 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 kind of a drug lord goes, he's brilliant. He's He plays it really well. Um, but for me, it's just that it comes back to that. I think it's a really good film. I don't think it's a Bond film. Okay. So when you say it's not a Bond film, you're, you prefer the villain that is, you know, like your Blofelds and, uh, you know, I, you know, has a signature appearance and has a glo- global domination sort of. Yeah. There's got to be villains. some, some more, more threat. And I, I get that it's, it's a revenge thing. And so, so Bond is the one who's got revenge because the only other time there's been, someone I guess a bit like that is probably um man with a golden gun who's mm. kind of it's it's more of a personal mission the film isn't it but yeah it's obviously in the the opposite way around in that um yeah I just just for me maybe I don't I just don't I just didn't really really massively get on board with the with the whole thing okay I guess I think there's kind of two camps when you come to villains or at least yeah okay there's two camps you've kind of one of your stereotypical bond villain of uh world domination etc and there's that thread and you've also got your realistic villains i think and i think this falls into the latter of yeah if bond was a real person uh the real villain would be someone like fran sanchez right Uh, you know uh, a billionaire drug lord that um, he's basically monopolizing a country and has, you know, a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. That seems a m- more down to earth, realistic villain that could exist than someone, say, who lives in a volcano and um, eats up space shuttles. So I can that's appreciate exactly, both. Go on. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's exactly um, my point because you know it's it's not a diehard film; it's a Bond film. And and you could have you could have had that plot and it would have been it would have been great and and it would have been you know some American cop who who takes revenge in in America against this drug lord and it, it makes sense and it would have been good. Um, but when you've got you know a helicopter fishing a plane out of the sky, <laughs> then you know it's a Bond film. If you're going to do stuff like that, it's a Bond film. So you know treat it like a Bond film. I get I can see your point. I'm. It's either one or the other. <laughs> I will say, I think that helicopter bit is probably the only campy Bond bit in this film. I'm trying to think on the yeah. spot now, but I think 
kind of gets that out of the way. But for me, I think because, I mean, if you look even to the previous one with Living Daylights, that is a much more realistic uh, approach to Bond than than anything that, that Roger Moore's done. I mean, if you look at Roger Moore, you've got um, Live and Let Die with the whole sort of voodoo element. You've got a Man with the Golden Gun, the guy who creates a gun that, you know, from different golden parts as one bullet. All these kind of campy stuff um, that works for Moore, and I can respect it in that as his character or his version of Bond. But I kind of like I, I don't want I like the fact that it with each bond it is a different approach so I can kind of appreciate both and take out Dalton now and go okay so he's the more realistic down-to-earth bond and that is how they've approached the villains and the story and the female characters as well so I I'm kind of I think I'm kind of agreeing with you because I appreciate both sides but for me, I, I think it works in right. Okay, I've accepted after the living daylights that we're going to go for a more realistic approach, and this just seems like a the perfect realistic villain to to get on board with, and also have that revenge thread is more a likely person that Bond's going to go after than say the Blofeld of this world that we've kind of gone through and seen off, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think he's and I think he's a good actor. I think he's really intimidating in parts. Like you don't really know. There's this whole scene where Bond is kind of pretending to be. He never really outright says it, but he's pretend to be a hitman, and he comes into his casino and says he's got a lot of money, and basically says, "Oh, you know, I I sort things out." Wink, wink. I basically kill people. But there's this whole point where actually, I'll ask you see what you thought. I, there's a point where. Sanchez kind of takes him in and I don't know I still don't really know if it was intended to be Sanchez is kind of treating him as loyal and sees him for who he is or he actually thinks it's Bond the whole time and you know keep your friends close and enemies closer sort of thing so I don't know what you thought did you think he knew who Bond was and was playing dumb or who was just dumb <laughs> yeah I, I don't know because it comes across like you think he is playing Bond and he's kind of, you should, you should stay here. Um, yeah. Don't, he says, don't waste your money. And you're just thinking, hang on, he's just giving you suitcases full of cash. You know, obviously money's not, not an issue. So it's yeah. like, hang on, you know, he, he knows something's up, but then, then it never really comes out that he, that he knew really. So I, I don't yeah. know. I think, yeah, I think they could have, there could have been some questioning in he could have questioned that a bit more and sort of made the most of the fact he was like stay here because yeah yeah i guess i guess it's a it's a pally thing but just that that phrase don't waste your money when you're like you know this guy's <laughs> this guy's just giving you like 16 million dollars or whatever it was yeah yeah i i yeah i was never sure yeah. i never it's never really revealed there's no that big reveal it's like oh my god he's a secret agent it's kind of like you just you t it kind of toes that line quite well so you're not quite sure if who's got that one up there if it's bond or if it is sanchez so i kind of like that because it's kind of on edge um yeah the scene there's one scene that really justified the 15 rating um is there's a character crest who kind of owns this like uh marine 
uh, center, isn't it? He's got like loads of boats and he's like marine biologist or something like that along those lines. And he's basically as a front for Sanchez's work. Um, and Bond is kind of playing uh, all the uh, internal sort of bad guys against each other. And there's one point where he convinces uh, Sanchez that Crest is going behind his back and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, and to get his revenge, Sanchez puts Crest in this like pressurized chamber and um, basically, I don't know, turns the pressure up and then like axes the valve. So it just like the pressure increases. And like his head just is that classic like 80s special effects where his head just literally explodes in front of you. And I, I don't know about you, I got what I'd forgotten about this for a start really took me by surprise of how brutal this is for a Bond film. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, really brutal. And and there's there's a few scenes that are that are brutal and, and definitely are a step up, aren't they? Like we kind of thinking before oh, uh, these are borderline not PGs. It's like this is definitely a 15. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And, Go on. But there's so there's there's one the probably the main thing really that I don't know because I'm not I'm not a person who's offended by anything. I'm not kind of pc kind of person yeah i'm happy i'm happy with anything in a film really but i just don't think it works the one-liners that they have after very much the most violent brutal scenes we've ever had in a bond film because it seems like they're all followed up with these just kind of distasteful one-liners and the one after this actually does probably work because it because it's um Sanchez saying it and he is you know all he doesn't care yeah. um but his head pops basically this guy and the the chamber's full of cash and the bloke says what about what about all the money in there um and Sanchez just says launder it which is <laughs> a clever play on words um but yeah it's a bit <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Is using a you know you've just watched this bloke's head literally explode and it's pretty graphic and then to then just immediately drop this like comedy nugget in was a bit like all right that's a bit odd but there's well, I, I there's know. other ones later I think I think that one that one kind of works because it's just you know it's funny it's a it's a play on words so it is funny but it also reinforces you know all I care about is the money and you're going to wash yeah, it and yeah. keep that money. And whether it's, whether our, you know, our friends brains all over it or not, we're going to keep the cash. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, I, I think it just shows how cold and like merciless Sanchez is by just kind of, you know, his close colleague, he's just has within a couple of minutes has turned on him and just blown his head up. And is that sort of, over it that he's just like yeah just sort the money out and we'll go on to the next thing he's that's how less of a shit he gives <laughs> i guess before he moves on to the next yeah. uh the next issue um so when you're saying about let's talk about uh the one-liners then so you mentioned that there were some other like one-liners that didn't quite hit the mark then what other ones stood out for you that were that were either good or just terrible so i think the one that that I just didn't agree with was um, this guy Heller, who's a character who um, he kind of gets sent off to be 
to be killed, doesn't he? And you don't know, you don't really know what happens to him. Mm. Um, and then Bond, Bond is running round, turns the corner and sees Heller impaled on this forklift truck, kind of six foot in the air with these massive spikes through. And he Bond just turns and says, looks like he came to a dead end. And it's like, it is, <laughs> it's so brutal, these fuck off massive forklift truck spikes through him. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a gritty film. It's a realistic film. You're meant to think that Bond is this kind of, you know, an actual, an actual agent and he's an actual spy and he's actually out for revenge. And, you know, he's, he is more realistic. He's more of a real human person. But to then drop that, looks like he came to a dead end. Like staring at this guy impaled on a forklift truck. It just, that for me, just, I don't know, destroyed the film. So it's it's more like the tonal shift, like going from realistic to just yeah. throwing in. It almost feels forced then. I, I can see Absolutely. what you're saying. It's like feel, feels forced because it's a Bond film. We must have a one-liner after this death. Is that what you're coming exactly. from? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So so do a, do a serious Bond film that's that's more realistic and, and all the rest of it. I just, like I said at the beginning, I think the fact it's a Bond film and they've tried to put Bondy things in it ruined the film for me. Okay. Now I can and, see, I can see that. And that's, that's kind of, that's probably one of the main, the main ones. I also, I also think that um, his accent's a bit dodgy. In this. <laughs> yeah. I've made the same note. It keeps, yeah. it keeps changing because he, he's Welsh, right? He keeps a bit of his uh, Welsh twang comes in throughout the film. It's like, oh, yeah. stick yeah, with it, mate. You're like, hang on, <laughs> you're not, you're not posh at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he goes from like he's got. Oh, oh, also, his laugh really freaks me out. <laughs> it's like no, <laughs> yeah. just don't laugh. Actually, Bond doesn't laugh. Yeah, Smirks. Bond doesn't laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to Sanchez, I'll quickly cover the henchmen. So, kind of forgot that Benicio del Toro is a you know a young henchman in this. Obviously, he comes on later in his career to be you know a massive actor. He's in the Marvel films, um, you know films like Usual Suspects. He becomes a mu- much more established actor, maybe more so than anyone else in this film. Funnily enough, yeah, um, probably, yeah. But um, yeah, we'll quickly touch on it because he. I, I've made a note that he's he's got a good presence on screen. Like Del Toro just has this weird glint in his eye that it's like you just don't know what he's capable of or any of the characters he plays in any film. It's just there's a side to me just like oh, not don't trust perhaps. Um, but I think my issue is that he's not has doesn't have that much screen time. Um, but when he does, he does kind of own the own the scenes. So I don't know what you thought of him as a as a henchman. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think, I, yeah, 100%. I think he didn't have enough screen time because um, I think when he is on screen, he's really good. And oddly, I think young Del Toro reminds me of like a young, like Brad, a young Brad Pitt's like evil twin. <laughs> he's, just, Love that. he's got this like, I don't know, cheeky chappiness about him, like a young Brad Pitt. Um, but yeah, this evil glint in his eye. <laughs> yeah but yeah i think um i think he's really good uh, he's he's not he's not your traditional henchman because you know the villain isn't your traditional villain but yeah. he he fits that henchman part 
really well and he's um yeah he's great and they definitely didn't make make the most of him and there's a few scenes where where Sanchez is in it like the the shootout with the Hong Kong um yeah kind of yeah Hong Kong secret service or whatever it is <clears throat> Sanchez is involved in that whole kind of shootout and I was just thinking the whole time like, why isn't um I think he's called Dario that's Del character yeah I was just thinking like Sanchez wouldn't be there as the big you know the big boss he would have sent Dario so why isn't he there why is he not yeah. involved in that um but yeah I think I think he's yeah missed opportunity to use to use him more because he's yeah like like you said he's brilliant yeah I, I think so I mean like I said he he's not at this point in his career is not an established actor and you can see you know he's definitely you know got better uh, throughout his career and uh yeah I just think he just has that presence that I think Sanchez or Robert Davi still has a presence on screen but they could have utilized um, Dario's character, uh, the character of Dario, much more, much more, and he almost like follow the relationship between Dario and Sanchez more because obviously he's the second in command. But it's this never sort of challenged, or there's all this like internal arguments that Bond is kind of stirring, isn't he? Because he's got this role of the outsider coming to shake things up, um, but that 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 relationship isn't tested at any point which I think would have been quite interesting to add on um, and certainly have Dario a bit more time on screen because um, he is quite an intimidating character. There's that whole bit, um, which we haven't covered about the whole shark bit, and we'll cover that perhaps after this, um, where uh, Lighter's uh, wife is killed and then and um, Lighter's like, where's my wife? And he's like, she's on a very long honeymoon <laughs> and says it in such a like asshole way it's like fucking bastard yeah. but at the same time it's like this is great acting <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's i know we're jumping around but let's talk about the shark scene so context for listening people listening um so we've had the the wedding scene at the start all happy intro theme yeah all great and then straight after sanchez is in prison and is then um put a bounty or not a bounty but has said i will pay two million dollars for anyone who can just break me out of prison and it turns out it's one of the cops that they've actually in the in the van that's delivering him to the prison that helps him escape um so what the first thing he does when he escapes is to find felix lighter that's caught him killed his wife brings him to this marine place where they've got these sharks another bond trope it's all like every other film it feels like there's a shark in there for, <laughs> yeah. for some reason and um they kind of dangle him down like hanging by his hands and he's eaten by a shark um certainly one of his legs which is kind of is, yeah i guess this is what the other scenes you're mentioning at the start about just another very brutal scene that just justifies the the 15 rating um but in my head i always thought he died so i was watching this going he survives yeah he survives this um yeah i don't know what you thought of that that the whole the lead up so him being broken out of prison and and this shark scene yes yeah, it's, it's yeah it's quite a good it's quite a good scene and and the shark scene is brutal um but yeah i, I always thought he died and you kind of think hang on how how did he survive that and i was just thinking you know, because he's he's obviously in later films as well, Felix as as a yeah. character. Like I was just thinking, hang on, is he? Did he die in the later films? Are set before, or I was like mm. just trying to think 
think in my head never realized yeah and then he's obviously he's not fully dead but when when they find felix he's got i think it's a note written on him isn't it that says he he disagreed with something that ate him yeah yeah very much that's a long <laughs> note to just write just to say fuck yeah. you <laughs> isn't it it's um yeah i don't know i think watching it i didn't like that that note again but now thinking about it, it's probably one of the best. It's not a, it's not a said line, but it's a written line. I think, yeah, I think yeah. it's probably one of the best in, in the whole franchise. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so clever. So good. And twisted, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> fucked up. And covered in blood as well. It's like... Yeah, it's right. covered in blood, isn't it? I just think... I think they missed a trick um, to like really critique this um, in a bit more detail. I think they missed a trick in... Firstly, either not killing off Lighter because Lighter as a character is keep crops up here and there throughout the franchise, but the wife is killed, mm. but we've only ever met the wife in this film. So, firstly, very Bond is very close to the wife; like they literally kiss on screen. I've written that, yeah, because um, I don't get that. Why is he kissing on the lips? Is he, yeah, is that's... He, you're the best man. That's just wrong, <laughs> and it's not like. <laughs> They're joking and Felix is in the room. They're in a different room. It's just yeah. them two. <laughs> like that's, no, that's wrong. Bond, Bond, I know Bond gets all the women, but this is a line you shouldn't cross. Um, maybe that's why Maybe that's why he was so angry, because actually he was shagging her. <laughs> yeah, subplot. The, you know, yeah, subplot. Hang on. <laughs> Bond is a proper arsehole after all. <laughs> yeah, I just think... I, yeah, I thought... I thought coming in again that lighter died and i thought that's the reason why he revenged now he went on revenge so not that he's not justified to still go on revenge because your colleague slash friend has had his leg eaten by a shark but i think it'd hold a bit more weight if lighter had died and the wife remained and he was kind of remained alive so he was getting revenge for her as well but yeah but it's yeah but it it's kind of that whole remembering his wife thing and trying to get revenge for that yeah. i don't know i just i feel like they had too many ideas and it just didn't didn't think it through enough probably like yeah. do you really care about her that much and why why are you kissing her and yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> and maybe, yeah maybe it is the whole wife thing but and maybe they they should have used that much much more i think they, they obviously mentioned it in passing but I don't know, another reference after she had died to kind of say to the viewer, you know, this is reminding Bond of his ex-wife or his deceased wife, like another thing. Yeah. I don't know how they would do that best because you couldn't do a flashback because it's a completely different actor. Yeah. But something that was like a nod to diehard Bond fans to say this was this this item or this thing that reminded her a Bond of his ex-wife Um could have been a nod to go that extra bit that bond fans would have appreciated to go okay that's where bond's headspace is at the minute he's now getting all these memories and that's what's driving him to go on this revenge tour basically yeah because it could have been it could have been done really easily by just sort of mentioning that you know obviously criminals and and the guys who stop criminals are putting themselves in harm's way in their fair game but yeah you know wives are wives are off limit that's a different that's a different matter it could have just been something as simple as that would have made the whole reason for his crazy levels of revenge to to make a bit more sense or even just like 
subtly play the theme of a majesty's secret service and just be like that is a nod to the bond fans it's like that that theme tune harks back to that film where this happened to his wife and that 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 tells the viewers like that's where his headspace is that's what he's thinking of so that they missed the trick there i think that could have been um done quite well Are you a fan of anime, manga, comic book art and everything in between? Or perhaps know somebody who is? Then make sure to check out the work from Instagram artist NoopsDS on teespring.com where you can purchase some incredible artwork on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, phone cases and much more. Personally, I've bought the t-shirt with the Spider-Man print in black which looks fantastic and is a perfect fit. Various different colours are available and shipping is worldwide. To find out more, head on over to teespring.com forward slash doors forward slash noopsds. That's N-O-O-P-S-D-S. And check out all the incredible work on Instagram at noopsds. Links are also available in the episode description. Um, okay, so moving on to the Bond girls. So obviously in the last one, it was just the Bond girl just one which was kind of unique in its in itself from the franchise we've kind of gone away from that and there's two bond girls in this so we've got loopy i think her name is which is sanchez's uh missus that we mentioned at the start of the intro um he's caught with a different bloke in bed lovely and we've got pam bouvier which is kind of the ally to bond that's coming to help so let's start with loopy first what did you think of her as a character in this she's okay i don't she there's there's one scene where they're both of the both of the girls are sort of um they're both in love with bond and they're they're sort of having a bit of a bit of a cat fight really <laughs> but loopy says i love james so much when they're they're both worrying about him and i'm like where does that come from why why do you love him so much like why are you so in love with him you you kind of know him you yeah. but he hasn't really done anything to save you he's not you haven't really spent that much time with him why are you so in love with him it doesn't make sense they never build up to that kind of okay you're in love with him all right <laughs> so that doesn't that doesn't I, work i thought i thought the same but i wonder if it's just a night of passion with bond just you know that's yeah, enough. The bond, the bond seed once sown is. <laughs> I think it's, but I, I did, I did think the same. It's like you've gone from zero to a hundred of the love scale, in, in, in like a couple of scenes. Um, it seemed a bit forced, but it was almost like they, they really missed. It's, it felt like they edited a scene where they developed that relationship a bit more. Definitely. Um, and then it's almost thrown in to have this conflicting scene with her and Pam, where Pam at that point has had more time with Bond, or is at least, you know, up to this film at this point. So we're behind her. I certainly felt I was much more behind Pam as a character out of the two Bond girls. And Loopy's kind of the, well, I've put that she's a bit of a gold digger character. <laughs> gold yeah. digger slash damsel in distress. Like, We'll, we'll, we'll cover Pam in a moment, but I, what I found interesting in this is 
they've kind of got both of the Bond girl stereotypes in the same film. So you've got Loopy, who is the damsel in the stress, like, you know, doesn't really get involved in the action, is what wants to be rescued, falls in love with Bond really easy. You've got that Bond girl. Then you've got Pam, who's much more trying to fight against liking Bond, is an ally, gives as good as she gets, gets involved in the action. So both of those ones we've like kind of talked about and appreciated up to this point in the franchise. So I kind of liked, I kind of read it as the, the two Bond girls fighting between each other within the same film. And we'll come on to how that kind of culminates towards the end. But um, so, yeah, for me, Loopy is, is, is just a generic character and isn't the one I remember out of the two. Um, but so coming on to Pam, then what are your thoughts on, on Pam as the other the other Bond girl, I think she's probably a standout character in the film. I think she's great. She's 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 proper badass. She's probably more badass than Bond. She's kind of you know she works for she works for Sanchez. She's she's a pilot, isn't she? But she's mm. um, you know she's not really involved in in the whole thing. She's just kind of this this person who, who does whatever to make some money and stuff. And, and she falls for Bond, which, which I quite like, actually. I don't think Bond never really tries to get with any of these women. Yeah. They, they, they do fall for him and, and you can see her falling for him. And Bond, Bond's a bit of an asshole. He's, he's a, just a constant asshole to her. He's yeah. just rude and he's arrogant and, that's another thing I didn't really like about this. Bond, again, wasn't at all a likeable character in this film, um, which which I, didn't, I don't think he needed to be an unlikable character. Um, I know he's out for revenge, but he didn't... It wasn't the same as um, his, in the previous film. It wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't... He wasn't the same kind of guy. I know, I know that he's, you know, upset and all the rest of it, but, yeah, whatever. It didn't didn't really work for me, that, but yeah Pam's Pam's great she's just kind of beats people up and shoots people and she's she's hot and <laughs> she I think she says she says the word bullshit as well which I think is the first proper swear word in the Bond film I know I, um, I did actually rewind it I was like she has just sworn and it feels like really weird to say in a Bond film it's like wow okay so there's the 15 rating again <laughs> yeah um Oh, like yeah, just there's a there's a bar fight, isn't there, where she's like where she's introduced, um, and she kind of fends off Dario Del Toro's character, um, mm. which is which is pretty good. I think Dario wasn't really involved in that scene as much as he should have been in the sort of fights. He just sort of flees and then he's not really there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but she yeah yeah she's cool. I think she she's a great character. I really I really liked her. I yeah I I think she's great and. It's it's really weird because throughout the Bond franchise, you're always behind Bond. But this mm. there's elements of this where it's like, you're right, Bond is a, is being a bit of a dick or is at least being harsh to her. And you can't help but feel sorry for her and that's getting you behind her as a character. So it kind of works in that sense. The way I've kind of, um, in my head, justified Bond being an arsehole is Bond is just blinded by revenge at this point and can't see is trying to put those sorts of emotions to one side 
Now, the reason he goes for Lupi is obviously she is involved with Sanchez and he's doing his classic spy trait of, even Q mentions it, doesn't he, to Pam. He's like, you know, Bond uh, secret agents must use all of their um, skills and abilities to try and get the job done. So he's basically saying to Pam, he's only doing this so he can get inside information and get, you know, get them destroyed within, basically. And that is that is how I think he's doing that. And at the same time, he isn't aware of what Pam's feeling towards him because he's so focused on just getting him killed and ruining the whole operation. Yeah. Because I think it best culminates at the very end of the film and the outro. So I know we're jumping around, but you've got this great scene where they're at this like after party. And I think it's actually Sanchez's like house or mansion or whatever. Like, I could, you can't quite tell where it is, but they're at some sort of party and they're celebrating what's going on. And Lupi, who Sanchez's missus comes up to him and is like, Oh, thank you so much. And like grabs him, gives him a big kiss. And then at the same time, uh, Bond looks over and Pam sees them kissing and she, and Pam runs off upset. And I think that's the point where Bond's like, Oh, what have I done? I realize I've got this great girl on one side and I haven't been paying attention. Whereas Loopy is literally the gold digger. She's just following the next guy who's, you know, taking charge. And he's like, sorry, not, not up for that. And then jumps off this balcony into the swimming pool where Pam's sitting and like they kiss at the end. And that's him saying, you know, I'm, the revenge is over. And I've kind of realized that you're the one for me. Yeah. <laughs> so i i I really liked it um and i think it ends quite well but i think it's a bit kind of late in the film for that to happen maybe i'd be nice to have for that to happen before the big climax i guess but i still i still think it's a great ending yeah i think i think it's a great ending as well and i like i like how bond sort of pushes loopy to the president (laughs) and he's like this is this guy's your type. <laughs> you you have her, and the president's like, mm. yeah, and even she's like, I guess he has money, so it's <laughs> exactly, a win-win. Yeah. I like, I really like that because straight after that, like uh, Pam and Bond are kissing in the pool, classic. Cut to Q, and he's like shaking his head, like Bond, you you bastard. But he's just necking wine. He's just absolutely <laughs> getting wrecked at this party. Um, and then there's this weird bit where it cuts to a fish statue that winks. Which yeah, I but I it's still I still thought it was funny. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a good ending. I don't know what I don't know what the song is at the end of the film, but I hate it. <laughs> so. I, uh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna correct you. I love that. <laughs> really? I think I love it because it's just classic cheesy eighties. Yeah. Like it's not a Bond theme, is it? That's that's not. You know, looking back at the other ones, uh, it's usually the actual theme tune, right? Played again yeah. or a different version of it. Um, so it kind of feels like a generic action film from the 80s or the late 80s where they bolt on a popular or at least a, a track by a popular artist on over the credits. So that did yeah. feel a bit jarring, to be honest. I'll give you that. But um, yeah, I think it's fine. You, men- you mentioned Q there and that's that's something that I do really like about this film is Q's properly involved and, and he's involved when he shouldn't be as well. Like he's, he's kind of him and money penny have, um, have sort of gone to help him when obviously he's, he's had his license revoked. He's been sacked basically. Yeah. Um, 
and he he turns up and I they share a they share a room don't they <laughs> him and Bond and you can just oh I just I love it I just love that he's he's involved as like a proper character not just the guy who supplies the gadgets it's kind of I I agree easily the best scenes of Q in the franchise up to this point having Q in the field is so much more interesting and so much more yeah comedic because it's almost like having your dad out with you as he's doing <laughs> as he's doing um, his missions but there's that bit where he's i think um it's just after the scene where loopy comes over and it's like oh bond stayed at mine and pam's like really upset so she's pissed off with bond bond comes back in and bond thinks oh i'm gonna sleep with Sam, uh, pam in the same room and she storms off and he's like well, I hope you don't snork you as they get into the same <laughs> bedroom to sleep for the evening. I just think it's great. But Q is, I'm like so glad we get more screen time with him. It's not just, as much as I love the Q branch generic scenes that are just put in, um, it's nice to see him out of that, um, you know, that that place and just have, a, you know, outside of the, the branch and is actually in the field helping bond and still even like you said he's been essentially fired he still has as much as he comes across as disliking him he obviously likes him enough to still help him out outside of m's knowing um and he's just great i mean there's even just that scene where uh it's towards the end on the climax which we'll, we'll cover in a moment as well <laughs> where q is dressed as a mexican and is holding like a broom and the broom is also a walkie-talkie so he's playing dumb is waiting for this convoy to go past and he's like yep they're on their way and and then once he said that he just fucks the broom off just chucks it in the bush um just great stuff like that like i just want i'd love to see q more involved in the actual missions or at least the story rather than here's your gadgets and i'll see you in the next film do you know what i mean i, I don't know if you thought yeah. the same yeah yeah definitely i think yeah i just he's just he's just great isn't he he's such a he's such a brilliant actor and he's such a brilliant character um but i yeah i love it when he's when he's just fully involved um and yeah he just he just always brings comedy and lightheartedness to those to those yeah. scenes 100 yeah, percent I will go on to gadgets thing, but I, I haven't got that many listed down. So the only other gadgets I've got is them. <laughs> it's probably one of the dumbest ones. So, you know, you said about before about, you know, it's either going to be a, a serious, realistic action film or it's going to be a Bond film. I think this goes into maybe the question mark and maybe think something you may have hated is the manta ray outfit. <laughs> There's a scene where they're in like a submarine and to stealthily approach the boat Bond's got a manta ray outfit and basically simulates a manta ray so it looks like oh they look down and it's like oh it's just a manta ray um it's actually Bond, Bond pretending to be to be one so he can sneak on the boat um I don't know if you made a note of that or did you think that was really ridiculous it's it's worse than the <laughs> motorized um iceberg no <laughs> it's, it's dumb it's just it's just dumb in a film that's not dumb it's dumb <laughs> i'll give you that because it's kind of like oh bond why have you done of all the things to do like can't you just like 
stay yeah, away but... from the windows or something. <laughs> exactly. Just put a duck on your head. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, I just love the idea of him just like, right, I'm just going to put on the uh, manta ray outfit and do a bit of flapping yeah. about. And they were even like a thing. Yeah. Like have a, I don't know, have a, have a motorized dolphin submarine or something. Have a, have a proper gadget, not just a big floppy wetsuit. <laughs> that looks oh. like a fish <laughs> oh it's so funny i thought it was a highlight for me just just being dumb just absolutely dumb yeah. um i don't know if you've made any other notes of gadgets but it feels for me that it's it's pos- possibly an initial uh intentional thing sorry of not having as many gadgets here and kind of going away from that but um, yeah, it's definitely well, Q, a lot Q less gadgets up. yeah q turns up with with gadgets doesn't he but i can't really remember what Oh, the other one's the toothpaste. It's like the exploding toothpaste. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And the um, there's a laser. Oh, it's a camera, isn't it? It's the, oh, we've, we we mentioned it earlier. Sorry, I've gone completely blank. But it's the it's the camera that's a sniper, which is yeah. weird. Just have us because like what I don't get is they they make this big thing of the they kind of do the Q branch scene, but in a hotel, right? So he brings all his gadgets with him q brings them with him and goes through them with bond like he always does but he's, he's got like a you know a polaroid camera and explains like you know it's a camera but it's also a sniper but when he uses a sniper it's in a hidden room away from loads of people so the camera piece of it didn't really make any sense why don't you just use a normal sniper yeah um but the toothpaste pit i guess comes in handy where he uses it to explode the window that's outside Sanchez's room. But again, it doesn't necessarily need to be toothpaste unless it's just to get it through customs. But, but then Q brings, well, I suppose Q brings it, doesn't he? So he might've had to get it through customs. But again, it doesn't need to be toothpaste. It could have been anything. No. Um, but yeah. Yeah, well, but that, um, <clears throat> yeah. So that that scene actually where he blows up the, the window kind of opens up this second plot which is something to do with missiles and doesn't Mm. really make any sense and it's sort of an attempt to add an extra plot that's a bit bigger than just Bond's revenge um, and sort of makes it all a bit more worthwhile I don't I don't get the point in adding that second plot line to it at all and if if you're gonna have that second plot that Pam knows about why doesn't Pam just tell Bond at, from the off? You know, he's a mm. he's an MI6 agent. Like he can he can help you out with this. Just say, you know, you want to get this guy, but also he's got these these missiles that are going to cause damage as well. So let's let's get him for both reasons and do it all. I don't get why she just hid it from him until he kind of suspects her of being on the other side or what. It just yeah. it just didn't really add up for me. I, I made a note as well that the missiles thing just felt like it was, I don't, I don't know. It didn't really go anywhere. I know they used the Stinger missiles later on, but it was kind of like, I don't know. You could have just used the missiles without mentioning that they have missiles and using it as leverage. Cause there's that bit where Bond is in the the factory and he's hanging off the like conveyor belt that goes into these like rotating blades and stuff. And Bond is like, as he's being, taken down the conveyor belt is trying to use all these things as leverage over Sanchez to stop him from killing him. And he mentions the stinger missiles. And I'm like, sorry, why does that, why do we care about that? Because it hasn't really been mentioned. Like it's mentioned as a, 
a side plot that Pam is kind of this, you know, that's what she's looking into, but it's only very briefly mentioned and doesn't hold enough weight for them. Cause that's the, that's the reason Sanchez stops. And it's like, Oh, let me yeah. listen to him. Like, why do we, why, sorry, why do we care about that? Um, I missed that. <laughs> so either I missed it or it just wasn't put across very well in the film, but I, I didn't really get that thread at all. No. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not just me, then, so that's good. Um, so, okay, I'm going to go on to the climax now. So the climax is on the back of the factory um, kind of being blown up. So it all kind of goes wrong, doesn't it? They make Bond as realising that he's actually an agent. Um, they tried to get him killed. And Bond essentially... Because Daria recognises him, doesn't he, from earlier in the film when they're in this bar. Um, and Bond just basically starts a fire in the factory and they've got these 18-wheeler uh, tankers full of like cocaine or gasoline, isn't it, that they put the cocaine into. Um, and they just get out of there. And it starts this big chase, sort of chase scene with these tankers and missiles and all, the, all of that stuff. So... Just want to get your thoughts on the the climax of this whole film, really. It's brilliant. It's a great, great action piece. That's um, yeah. It's the, the, there's a lot going on, and it's it's really good. And it there's a big. I love the truck. The truck chase is is great. Um, yeah, just the whole the whole thing. I just really liked it. Thought it was, thought it was really good. And you know, it's, it's got the classic you know Bond hanging off the back of things and. Um, crazy stuff going on and, and Pam's flying the plane. Um, yeah. She's kind of flying around and actually she's, you know, really helpful and really good. And it's kind of, they're a proper partnership of, of ass kicking. Um, <laughs> and there's, there is one scene with the, with the truck that I think they missed an absolute golden opportunity. One of those, you know, Easter eggs is there's one scene where the truck goes on two wheels and you know it's an absolute diamonds are forever um yeah. ripoff but with this massive 18 wheeler truck that's filled with you know explosive cocaine whatever yeah um but they could have put it on two wheels on the left wheels and then cut to it and it was on the other side just as a nod to that blooper they they just missed that and that would have been such a great little little nod to the fact that they cocked up in that film and they, you know, they're doing it on purpose now just to see if anyone noticed. I thought that would have been brilliant. Yeah. That's a great shout. Cause I, you can't help but think they, you know, this whole two wheels thing, they did it on Dumb's Offer, but that would have been brilliant if they just cut to it and it's like the other way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, yeah. Cause it's so obviously stolen that. Yeah. That stunt. Cause it's such a memorable thing that, yeah, just to add, add the blooper back in would have been great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think um, Sanchez's is, his character is really good in this piece as well because he's, yeah. he's just kind of losing his his shit and he's you know he's like says bits about you know we can make more money and forget about it and he's just gets really like more and more angry, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and there's one of his main sort of business partners or, or guys for works for him. He just he just guns him down. Um, when he starts, you know, complaining about stuff, he just kills him. Um, yeah. And yeah, the the culminating fight and his death scene is 
brutal <laughs> where there's a big crash isn't there and they're both you're both like fuck me are they both dead what's yeah what's going on they're both absolutely messed up um and you think our oh, Franz might have just died in the thing bonds alive obviously Franz might have just died and then he kind of looms over bond bond just sets him on fire and he just goes up in flames just screaming and you're like fuck this is yeah, yeah this is this is a proper action movie now this isn't family friendly at all <laughs> oh 100% yeah, I, I think I I love the climax. I think it's a real standout scene as well. Like if if you were to say what which one's licensed to kill, I you would say I would say this is the one where they have that climax on the eighteen wheelers at the end because it's just such a visually memorable thing. Um, just so different to anything we've seen up until this point. Um, you know, even eighteen wheelers being you know a lot slower than the fast cars we've seen elsewhere. Mm. that doesn't detract from it it's still quite tense there's a lot of moments where um you know bond is either hanging off a missile a uh, missile he's hanging off <laughs> he's hanging off the truck there's dodge he's dodging missiles at the same time uh you've got a plane above that uh you know uh, pam's trying to help out there's so much going on there's a really great scene where uh one of the cars gets shot up and is on fire and it goes off a cliff edge and they film it in such a way where it looks like the car is about to hit the plane, but because of where the, the distance, the plane's yeah. actually just like sl- slightly before that. But because of the way it's done, it looks like it's going to crash, and it's a slightly tense moment, which I thought was good. Good thing they just threw in there; they didn't have to do that, and it kind of adds a bit of you know a bit of tension in that that brief moment. But I thought it was great. Um, yeah, I think it's great. I, I think you mentioned about Sanchez kind of just gets like more and more agitated as he's realising that Bond is on his tail and is getting closer and closer. Like he's shooting his colleagues without any care in the world. He just wants to get Bond killed. Um, I agree. I think the him getting set on fire at the end is so brutal and so simple. Like it's, it's nothing dramatic like some of the other Bond villains' deaths uh, so far. It's just he's literally set on fire. I think they've missed a trick on the one liner or at least the, like the, the payoff. I don't think it holds that much weight. I think, um, cause Sanchez says you could have had everything to bond and bond just says, do you want to know why? And then pulls the lighter out. And it's obviously the lighter that Felix lighter gave him. Um, and it just says like love to you, James or whatever, something like that, but there's no like pun or there's no like James bond one liner. It's just like, you know, you know why I didn't get everything, and he just shows him a lighter, and I'm like, uh, I missed yeah. something. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have that like, get off my plane, like fuck you statement <laughs> uh, that some action films like just like it, it feels slightly anticlimactic. Like, don't get me wrong, the payoff of his death is great, but the one liner before that precedes that isn't doesn't hold the same weight as that. So no, it doesn't at all because. Sanchez wouldn't have had a clue what that lighter was about either. No, it, yes. you, you almost feel like he would have said, "Like, let me have a look. I can't read. I can't read the inscription on that lighter. It's like four foot away from me. What do you? I still don't know what you're on about." And then he's up in flames. But yeah, yeah, un, that's unfortunately, yeah. That I don't know what it could have been, but something just to yeah, just to make more of an impact. And then yeah, because yeah, yeah, he just pulls out this lighter and it's like, "Oh, do you do you want to know why?" It's like. <laughs> All right, mate. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's just a bit of a bum note. And then it's like, yeah. you could have said anything. Like, that is Bond's thing. Like, the, the final line before he kills a villain. Like, that's his, that's what he does right. It just feels a bit weak there. And I just think it doesn't completely destroy the scene or anything, but it should culminate with this like massive fuck you sentence. It just like, um, here's my lighter and I'm just turned it on. <laughs> so it's yeah, it, it didn't. Yeah. Kind of killed it slightly for me, but not completely. But yeah, as, as a climax, I think it's great. And then we've already talked about the intro, the outro, sorry, uh, which yeah. follows it, which I think is, is brilliant as well. He um, could have just said, this was from my best friend, Felix Leiter. <laughs> and then... Or and just then said, you're... No, you said, you're fired, like Alan Sugar. And, <laughs> yeah. then, and then he's on fire. Just anything. Like, I would have accepted that because it just says fire in the sentence. But um, <laughs> yeah. it just... Yeah, it's not quite as good as it could have no. been, I think. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're all the, the notes I've made. Is there anything that you've got down? There's one little scene um, which which adds sort of skiing into this film, <laughs> um, which is another another Bond thing that we we obviously like is is the skiing. But there's a there's a scuba a scuba fight which is which is a pretty good fight. And then Bond harpoons harpoons a plane like a seaplane, and then he's just being dragged around behind it, just water skiing on his feet, which is is pretty cool pretty cool scene and then Bond gets on the plane and then it's kind of it sums up kind of his his anger or makes you realize how how angry and how out for revenge he is I guess because he he just kicks the pilot straight out of the plane like yeah. no there's no sort of getting getting the back it's just you're out which at that point you know Bond doesn't have a license to kill so he's just a murderer at that point <laughs> <laughs> just to call out anything outside of that you're just a fucking murderer like the first <laughs> yeah. time in the franchise bond is just killing people <laughs> yeah <laughs> with no regard not for queen and country just just genuinely just doing it the time. <laughs> yeah. um yeah no it's another good point there is some there is some great stuff in this and i i think the main thing is that obviously in the title that he loses his license to kill but i think that's another unique plot point as well from the franchise that this is the one where he's getting really agitated with the establishment and like you know so many times we've seen him clash with m where it's like you know can i i want to stay on this mission and he's been taken off for whatever reason and this seems to culminate a lot of that frustration where he's like fuck this and i'm just gonna do it for myself um so yeah i i think there's there's a lot of good things in this for me at least anyway but um so if that's it from you, then we'll segue nicely into our our score, our summaries and score. So you said at the start you didn't have a score in mind, but now mm -hmm. we've talked it through. Where do you sit with this film? So I, I kind of did have a score in mind with a with a big question mark or five after it, um, and I've upped it one. Okay. From that score, um, so. So I'll tell you what my kind of summary of the film. I think I think it's a it's a really good kind of late 80s action film. I think it's it's brilliant in that regards. I think the plot works in as a as an action film plot. Um I think the characters are are great, especially Pam. Um 
but just as a Bond film, it it falls flat. And I think I think the kind of the gadgets in there, like the toothpaste explosive, um, like the manta ray suit, the one-liners, the fact that he's British, um, and the sort of forced love interests, especially, um, well, just just Loopy really. I think just detract from the film if anything they don't they don't add to it um and yeah that bondness that i love i love and why i love bond films in this with that plot in the the way it is it, the the two things just don't marry well together for me um but but that said it is it is a a great film um so I had originally given it a six, but I'm upping it to a seven. Okay, nice. I think that's fair. I think it's a fair summary. I, I, I'm I, glad you've upped it. I, I think there's a lot more going on than deserves a six. Um, so, yeah, I'll give my summary first. I really, really enjoyed this. I think it stands out as uh, kind of a for me, a bit of a game changer in the franchise. So, you know, Connery puts his stamp on at the start and, you know, being the first one, he's kind of setting the tone for a lot of it. And there's a lot of the blueprint of, of Goldfinger at that point where it really gets established of what a Bond film is, but kind of takes a new direction of this gritty, realistic side, which I, we've already discussed that I can appreciate both sides, but I, I do like the realistic element, like this could happen sort of thing. Um, there's nothing on here that's too, too. I mean, the manta ray stuff I know is ridiculous, but it's nothing too ridiculous like that. That could happen, I guess. You could, you might want to create a manta ray outfit. Um, but the, I guess the negatives. I think the the payoff at the end is a bit of a bum note. Although it's quite nice that he's killing the guy that killed Lighter's wife with a lighter that they gave him is quite nice. It's just think the line that accompanies it is just it could have been better um but uh i think everything else just is so good i I find the the bond girl dynamic really interesting that you've got both of these bond girl stereotypes throughout the franchise so far like kind of battling against each other for bond and bond picks the the more preferable certainly for me bond girl trope of the ally the one that that doesn't take any shit from Bond and challenges him and works with him and is just more of an engaging character rather than the, oh, just help me, Bond, like princess, save me sort of uh, Bond girl that I don't appreciate as much. Um, I think the villain is great. Um, I know you said as well that you prefer the more outlandish, over-the-top villains from the franchise, but I, I like him as a believable, realistic uh, Scarface-like character and Dario as well as as a, as a henchman could have had more time but when he's there does um, does uh, add some extra dimension to the whole the whole villains and the bad guys I think in this uh, so and also the theme tune I, I fucking love the theme tune it's so good it's so good to sing to sing along to um I really like it. And I think by this point, like for me, I've almost forgotten Roger Moore, like two films in now. It's like completely changed what Roger Moore was doing. I can, I can appreciate and respect that he brought the comedic side to it and 
and took it in a different direction to Connery and uh, Lazenby. But Dalton, two films in, has like completely changed it to the point where I've forgotten the previous Bond. Uh, not in a bad way, it's just like it's changed so much. So my score is 10 out of 10. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's really underrated Bond. I think Daniel Craig's films have a, they must reference these two Dalton films so much. And they've been bringing that grittiness and the the lack of humour um, that Dalton brings here, I think has inspired the, the Craig films a lot. Um, I just think it's really good. I think it's, I there are things that little niggly things I've already mentioned that, was making me think it brings it down to a nine, but I think this is a next another big point in the franchise where it's changed. And I think since these films, the franchise, I mean, you could argue die another day. We'll come to that. You know, it gets a bit Roger Mori at that point, Yeah. but I think license to kill kind of brings it another uh, benchmark into the franchise to say, this is the level of grittiness that kind of we're expected. Now we want to go down this route. And I know this is his last film, but I think, I think Piers Brosnan, which we'll cover in the next episode, is the perfect mashup of Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton. So without Timothy Dalton, we might not have had the bond that Piers Brosnan brings. So, yeah, 10 out of 10. Wow. Fair, fair enough, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, agree with, I agree with what you said there, but it's, it, you... I'm I'm looking at these two films now in a, in a different light to to before. Yeah. I I didn't really think of of Dalton as one of the one of the kind of Bond actors really. Yeah. Um. You. I always just sort of forgot about him, and it was like, oh yeah, he was the guy who did the two films. Yeah, um, definitely. And and like I think I think we've said before, or, or we've definitely talked about off off of podcast is. The third, the the third film of of Connery and the third film of Moore were the two, for me, ten out of tens. Um, yeah. So what what could have been, um, yeah, we'll never know. But yeah, interesting, and and it is it's a very it's a very good segue, and it's very much set it up to if you watch these now, they are much more like what you expect the next Bond to be like, whoever whoever the actor may be. Um, yeah. whatever the film may be they are much there you expect them to be a lot more like like this film and um living daylights than yeah than any of the any of the previous ones don't you yeah it's definitely totally. the new era the new era of bond yeah uh, that's that's the best way of putting it is i think this this is completely the new era of bond that they've they subsequently followed and they take bits from Roger Moore and stuff like that and they take bits from from the dalton ones but I think I honestly think I don't think we'll have the Daniel Craig films that we do now and appreciate, and we'll obviously cover those later on without these Dalton ones in there. So I think I don't think, generally speaking, when you know the mainstream view of Bond, I don't think they appreciate the Dalton films as enough as the stepping stone for Craig's films that everyone now you know it's so popular as it is now has been rebooted and revamped that I think. They almost. I would like to think that when they were going to reboot it after Die Another Day, they they went back to License to Kill and Live in Dallas and go, let's bring him a bit more down to earth. Because even like you know the Q in the in the in the Craig films, there's barely any the Q Q exists, 
but the gadgets as pieces are much more minimal than say the more ones where it's like the whole q branch scene is just like as much as i love them like i can, I can appreciate both of those two elements but yeah. it's much more dialed down um, which I, I do like as well so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to to now go on to the brosnan films back to back and just because yeah. for me i I feel like it's just a slow progression back to more. <laughs> it kind of, it starts off at the same tone and then it slowly works its way back to, um, to more, maybe not, maybe not to the levels of um, due to a kill, but, <laughs> but towards that we'll, we'll definitely see. And then, and then again, that, that kind of instant reboot with Casino Royale. I'm looking forward to talking those through and watching them again. Um, 100%. Back to back. Definitely definitely so ranking wise where where does license kill sit license to kill sit does it what does it sit between what bond films so i've just been um yeah kind of rearranging because of my my chain score but uh, i've put it just after from russia with love um okay yeah and and before diamonds are forever okay so it's so it's a mid seven for you then kind of yeah Towards the end of the sevens, I've got yeah, I've got um, live and let die and from Russia with love are ahead of it. Interesting, because I think live and let live and let die, I think is is basically the same plot without the revenge. But I just I liked the I liked that um, the voodoo ness and the <laughs> and all that all that yeah. crazy crazy stuff going on in that. Nice. Okay, so mine's obviously a lot higher um yeah. so mine's number two now yeah after goldfinger <laughs> which if i'm really honest at the start of this whole marathon i would never have dreamed it or thought it would be in my top five but the more like it's been you know maybe a week just over a, uh, just under a week sorry that i've watched it but the more i've thought with about it like the more i enjoy it the more there's stuff going on that i really appreciate and i I think is a game changer for the franchise, like I've already said already. So yeah, so that's after Goldfinger and then before Spy Who Loved Me. So so actually, well, let's run down, because we're quite far in now. So yeah. do you want to run down your top five from five okay. to one? I've got Goldfinger at number one, then The Man with the Golden Gun, You Only Live Twice, For Your Eyes Only, and then The Living Daylights at number five. Nice. So my number one is Godfinger. Number two is uh, License to Kill. Three is Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, four is Doctor No. And then five is also Living Daylight. So I've got two Dalton films in my top five, which I never thought at the start yeah. I would I would do that. But they're, I just appreciate much more second time round than, uh, than I did before. Yeah. Well, I've got, um, yeah, my number one and number two both have the word gold in them um and the next film's golden eye so, so is that is that that's definitely in the top five then there we go anything golden there we yeah. go sorted so that maybe a spoiler alert for the next <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts then on going into brosnan and and memories of golden eye because i think we've both kind of said brosnan is is our bond isn't he yeah i mean um, yeah, it's our generation's Bond. It's the Bond we grew up with. I mean, License to Kill was out just as I was born. Um, I, you know, Dalton wasn't aware of him until much older um, when I realised Bond as a franchise. But yeah, Goldeneye, 
was the first um I don't know. I don't think it was the. First, it definitely wasn't the first Bond film I saw, but it was the first one that was I was aware of that was out and was coming out at cinemas and was popular. And obviously, the video game as well was massive. Uh, I played that a lot around friends' houses and stuff at the time. So I was very, you know, it's a very early um, memory of getting into Bond. Um, and obviously, Bosnan, like you said, this was the first of four films that he's done and was the one that we grew up with. So I kind of have a soft spot for Brosnan and Goldeneye as well, because, yeah, I, it's just kind of my childhood, I guess, like with the game as well, all the music and the theme tune. So I'll save some of the gushing for the next episode. <laughs> but um, what about you for Goldeneye? Is it more the same or? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely the same. I, I remember my dad being really excited that there was a new Bond coming out. Um, and absolutely buzzing to see Goldeneye. Um, it's it's probably the Bond film I've seen the most times. Wow. Okay. Um, and yeah, the game as well absolutely played that to death. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Bond for me a massive a massive draw of it is the nostalgia part, mm. and and Goldeneye definitely has that. So haven't haven't seen it for a while, um, and. Yeah, obviously we've just watched 16 other Bond films. Um, so really interested to see see how that changes things. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And and it's actually the first one that my wife has agreed to watch together. So I don't nice. have to just watch it by myself as well, which maybe says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny you say that. It's the same for me because my wife's like, <laughs> I don't, she basically saying any any Bond film before I was born I don't care about, um, <laughs> and any ones after I I don't mind watching. So it's fine fine by me. I'm happy to watch. Uh, it's a win win really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to. I I wonder. I don't know about you, but I feel like my approach to the Bond films has changed as we're doing this marathon because it's because we're watching them all in relatively quick succession. We've got various other things going around that's kind of factoring into the pointing as well. So like you said, I'm quite interested to see if my opinion of Goldeneye going into this now um, is going to change or not. But, um, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll find out on the next episode. Um, yeah. So yeah, thanks again uh, for today. Another slightly divisive one, maybe on, on license to kill. But yeah, yeah, it makes for a better episode, I think, which is uh, which is good. So, yeah, thanks again for today and catch you next time where we talk uh, Piers Brosnan and Goldeneye. Cool. Thanks so much. See you later, mate. Cheers.